If you have your Bibles or maybe a phone app, we're going to be in John chapter 11. And uh, if, if you don't, don't feel bad. We'll have the verses up on the screen. Um, we are um, going to be jumping into a, an unusual text for, uh, for an Easter morning. And we are going to be learning something about the resurrection that may be, may be a different angle than we have maybe in the past. But I, have you ever... You ever wish that you could step into one of the stories of the Bible and change the outcome? Uh, like the Garden of Eden. I mean, how great would it have been there to slap the fruit out of Eve's hand, right? That would, uh, that, that, would have re- that would make things a lot better for us today. Of course, one of us would have, would have blown it, I'm sure. Um, or maybe like when David, King David, was up on his roof. Don't look, David. Go to war. Go back inside because all kinds of problems are going to happen if you look at that woman. And sure enough, a lot of problems did happen because you and I weren't there to stop it from happening. That's what I'm saying. How about um, when the Israelites were freed from Egypt and they're standing on the banks of the Jordan River and they come up with the brilliant idea to send in 12 spies just to check it out. I mean, we believe God can do it, but we want to make sure. And they come back and 10 of the response, they all all report that it's an unbelievable land and this is a great place that God has brought us to. But 10 of them were like, but the giants are too big. There's no way God can do this. And so none of them got to go into the promised land. And you just stand, I'd like to just stand there and say, don't listen to them. Let's see if we can change the outcome of this story. How about when Judas went to the high priest to broker a deal to turn in Jesus? Or how about when the mob was yelling, crucify him? Do you think you could have swayed the crowd? I don't know, but, but let, let, me, let, me, let me tell you where I'm going with all this. I think that the reason we think that, like if I could be dropped into that narrative to change the outcome, it would be such a better story. I think the reason we think that is because we know what the outcome is. And looking at it, you know, thousands of years in the future, we, we see when we look into the past, being a couple thousand years in the future, we know that if they would do this, then this would be the outcome. But when you're living in the moment, you don't see that and you don't feel that. And one of the most beautiful, most powerful aspects of our faith is hope. Because what hope does, hope says, I don't have to know what the outcome is. Because because faith, integrated with hope, says, it's not that I need to know the outcome, it's that I need to know who knows the outcome. And there's a big difference because I may not know the answer, but I know the one who does know the answer. And I may not know the purpose of all of this, but I know the one who knows the purpose. And sometimes not knowing the why is okay if you know the who. And that's what hope is. And it's one of the most powerful aspects of our faith. So you can be living in a moment And be okay because you know the one who's in control. And you know the one who's got it all taken care of.
We're familiar with the resurrection story, many of us. I don't want to assume that everybody is. But we're not going to go there this morning. Because there's three other resurrection stories in the Gospels. And there's this one story where Jesus sees this funeral procession in the village or the city or the town of Nain. And a widow is losing her only son and she's crying and Christ has compassion. And steps in and he heals from dead this son. There's another story about Jairus' daughter being raised from the dead. And then there's a story in John chapter 11 about his friend Lazarus. Now there's another great story when Jesus dies on the cross that graves are opened up and the dead people who are believers start walking around the town. I would have liked to have been there for that. That would have been an awesome reunion, wouldn't it? But here in John chapter 11, we have 57 verses dedicated to this one story. And if you know much about the Gospels, you got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and each one of them depict the life of Christ, the life and ministry of Christ in a little different perspective. And normally they just give you a few verses here and a few verses there, kind of a short synopsis of what happened. But for some reason, John paused here and he jotted down 57 verses about what happened with the raising of Lazarus. Now, just to give you a little background, um, Christ has been in Jerusalem in chapter 10. And he's been doing those things that seem to upset everybody, like, you know, healing people. And it upset the religious of the day to the point where they actually picked up stones to stone him. And after some more discourse, they decided they're going to arrest him. And the Bible simply says, I love what it, what it, what it says, that he escaped, which kind of shows you what the, what the tension in that story must have been like. And he escaped into another part of the Jordan. So he goes from Jerusalem down into the, near the Jordan River. And while he's there, he gets word about his friend Lazarus. And we're just going to read a few verses here. In John chapter 11, verses 1 and verse 3, says this, Now, a certain man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. And then we'll skip to verse 3. Therefore his sister sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. This identifies him as somebody that Jesus knew very well. So Jesus was very close to this family. And then let's read down a few more verses here in John chapter 4, uh, John chapter 11, verses 4 through 7. When Jesus heard it, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Now, fast forward, he dies. And Jesus knew that he was going to die. But Jesus says here, This sickness is not unto death. Well, that's confusing. It'll clear up in a minute. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. When he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, you expect the next thing to be like he dropped everything and went. Because the author sets it up that way. Like, now, Jesus really loved Martha and Mary and Lazarus. And so when he heard this news, what does it say? He abode two days still in the same place where he was. Is there a reason for that? Scripture doesn't say. Other than that the Son of God might be glorified. 
So Jesus delayed in going, knowing Lazarus was going to die. Now that's hard to swallow. That means that maybe the goal that Jesus has for our life is not for everything to work out the way that we want it to work out. Maybe there's a bigger reason here. Maybe there's more at play than your prayer request. And when Jesus decided to go to Bethany, he knew that when he left Bethany to go the two miles, when he left to go to Bethany and walked that two miles, he knew that before he left, Lazarus was already dead. Very dead. Now, we know how the story ends, but they did not know how the story was going to end. So we can look at this because we can read 57 verses in about three minutes. And we can get to the end quickly, so we don't really understand everything they went through. I want to try and draw a little bit of that out because I think that it's pretty easy for us to place ourselves in that story. And I'm not going to belabor this, but I want us to kind of feel a little bit about what they were feeling when things didn't go the way they thought they were going to go. A lot was happening here. A lot of emotion, a lot of pain, a lot of heartache. And let's take a look at a few things that we see here in John chapter 11. First thing we see is death. Jesus clearly identifies the situation. In John chapter 11, verse 14, he says this, Then said Jesus unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. Because just a few verses before then, Jesus is having this conversation with his disciples, and he said that Lazarus was sleeping, and the disciples said, Well, if he's sick, then sleeping is a good thing. Like, Jesus, you said he was just sick, so if he's sleeping, let's just let him sleep. Why didn't they want to go back to Bethany? Because Bethany was right near Jerusalem where Jesus was almost stoned. And so they didn't want to go back to Judea where they could possibly be involved in that conflict again. Make no mistake about it. Lazarus wasn't sick. He was not sleeping. He was stone dead. He got sick and he died. And here's the crazy thing. Jesus could have prevented this death. Jesus had healed all kinds of people, hadn't he? I mean, with his words, with his hands, with his spit, Jesus had healed a lot of people. And surely, if he had left at the appropriate time, he could have gotten there in order to heal Lazarus before he died. So, but Jesus knows what he's walking into. And he waits. Yep, Lazarus is dead. Now let's go. So we see death in this story we also see doubt and i got i got to be honest with you i love this character his name is thomas also known as didymus you may have heard the phrase doubting thomas you're going to see why a few verses later in 16 it says this then said thomas this is after jesus announced we're going to go to bethany back to judea near jerusalem Then said Thomas, which is also called Didymus, unto his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. So you see the sarcasm here, and I love that this is in here because I can put myself there. So either he is saying, oh yeah, let's go back where they want to stone us. That makes a lot of sense, Jesus. We'll be just as dead as Lazarus is. 
So there's this doubt that comes in. And, you know, a lot of times we believe that Jesus can. We just don't think that Jesus will. And we live with this doubt. And listen, I know bad things happen to good people. And I know that we live with this. And death is a very bad thing. And doubt is a very real thing. So we see death in this chapter. We see doubt in this chapter. And we see discouragement in this chapter. In verse 20, Martha, has, Martha comes out to meet Jesus. But I want you to notice this. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him before he even got in the city. But Mary sat still in the house. Mary could not even bring herself to get up and go see Jesus. She only had the energy to sit there. I mean, have you ever been there? Like, I got nothing. I got nothing. There's nothing that I can do. You're just done. You're discouraged. I love that this is brought out in this chapter. And we also see complete despair. Martha comes out to meet Jesus, and verses 21 and 22 say this, Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now, whatsoever you will ask of God, God will give it to you. Do you sense the despair Man, Jesus, like, why did you take so long? This was the thing that we fear. We told you he was sick several days ago. And you say you love us. And if you love us this much, why would you not come and take care of the problem? Why would you let him die if you could have done something about it? I don't get it, Jesus. Why would you let this happen? Why would you not hurry and get here and fix the problem when you could have fixed the problem? Do you sense the despair? And Martha says, but but here's the thing, Jesus, even now, I mean, I've heard that you can raise people from the dead. I mean, I, you know, I mean, I've heard of that. There's two other instances where I know that's happened. And I know that you have the ability to raise somebody from the dead. Even now, there is desperation here. She is begging Jesus to do something. And Martha is saying what we have all felt Towards God at some time. Come on. Let's be real. God, you blew it. Like you had an opportunity to answer a really good prayer request. And you didn't do it. You didn't come through. And there's doubt. And there's discouragement. And there's despair. I mean, she nails it. Right? I'm there with her. We gave you ample notice. You could have been here in time. We're only two miles away from where you were. That doesn't take but like a half an hour. And you took all this time. 
if you'd only done what I asked you to do, Jesus, if you'd only done what I asked you to do, we wouldn't be in the situation we're in right now. So here's what she's saying. All of this heartache was caused by Jesus' delay. That's what she's saying. And that's what we feel. Because for some reason, we think that we're here on this earth to live this life with very few problems. And somebody duped you somewhere to think that if you became a Jesus follower, everything was going to be wonderful and roses and beautiful. And to a point, that is true. But that doesn't mean that we are going to be without problems. It doesn't mean that we're going to to be without difficulties. We will experience doubt and discouragement and despair and death. Had you been here, verse 21, had you been here, my brother had not died. But here's the thing that I want us to remember this morning, that God's delays are not necessarily God's denials. (laughs) Because he's got this. He's got it. And I don't know what he's trying to teach you, and I don't know what what situation he's going to work out, but he said that all of this is happening so that the Son of God can get glory. All of this is happening so God looks a lot bigger in our eyes. All of this is happening and has the potential to be a much bigger thing than just saving the life of Lazarus. And I don't know what you're going through this morning, and I don't know what you need resurrected, and I don't know what has come crashing down, and I don't know where the doubt's coming from, or I don't know what level of despair you are in, or how discouraged you are, but I know this, that just because it's not working out the way that you thought it ought to work out, doesn't mean it's going to work out to the glory of God. And that means it's going to work out better than you could have imagined, whether you realize it or not. And so, yeah, it may not be happening the way that you thought. It may be taking longer than you thought. Or it may not even be answered the way you wanted answered. And you know what? That's probably a good thing because you're not God. And when we get upset because God doesn't answer our prayers the way we want them answered, we are saying we know more than God. And that's just not the case. But God's delays are not necessarily God's denials. Whatever God is doing is good. I don't know what it is, but whatever God is doing is good. And there is hope. And so here's the the incredible thing. Like Jesus has compassion on them. And we're going to, and if you go on reading here, we won't read the verse, but Jesus Shortest verse in the Bible is in John chapter 11. And it says simply, Jesus wept. And it's over this story. So it's not like God doesn't feel what we're going through. It's not like he doesn't appreciate and he doesn't experience it with us. It's not like he doesn't feel. It's just that he's God and he knows more than we do about how this needs to play out. There is hope. He's having this conversation with Martha. And he tells her that, he, that, that, that Lazarus is going to live again. And she goes, well, I know that in the resurrection, we're all going to live again. He goes, no, that's not what I'm talking about. 
And he says this incredible statement in verse 25. He says this, I am the resurrection (laughs) and the life. He that believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Now, here's what's critical. This was said before the miracle takes place in just a minute. So Jesus is looking at Martha, and he's saying, he's going to come back to life again because I am the resurrection. Until Jesus showed up, all you had in Bethany was sorrow and doubt and discouragement and pain and despair. And what Jesus is saying here is the resurrection, it's not an event, it's a person. I am the resurrection. And that's what's beautiful about this relationship that we get to enter in with Jesus Christ. It's not religion. It's not a bunch of check boxes. It's not behaving a certain way. It's entering into a relationship with a person, and that is Jesus Christ. He didn't say, I'm able to resurrect Lazarus. He said, I am the resurrection. Now, I can't even wrap my brain around this. But the person of Jesus Christ is life. He is life. He says a lot of things about himself. I'm the door, I'm the gate, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. I am the resurrection. That's who I am. And when you have a relationship with me, this is how I affect your life. John 10, 10, I am come that you might have life. But he didn't stop there. He said, and that you might have it more abundantly. So whatever death you're experiencing, whatever doubt you're experiencing or despair or discouragement, that's because Jesus hadn't shown up yet. And he says, I am the resurrection and the life. I'm the life that needs to be breathed into death. So if Jesus is the answer to death, then he's the answer to your doubt, he's the answer to your discouragement, and he's the answer to your despair. It's not about what he can do, it's about who he is. That's the hope. It's this relationship that we get to enter into. In the very next verse, he says this to Martha. He says, and whosoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? So that's what it all boils down to. It's an individual decision. Do you believe this? Do you believe that he's the answer? Do you believe that he's the resurrection? So Jesus walks up to where the, the tomb is, and they've rolled a stone in front of it. And he tells them to roll the stone away. <laughs> and, of course, some practically-minded person says, whoa, 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 whoa. You realize he's been in there for four days. We did the best we could, but the King James says, he stinketh. (laughs) He's been in there a long time, Jesus. He stanks. Jesus doesn't seem too bothered by that. So they roll the stone away. He says a prayer to his father. And he calls to Lazarus to come out. He just says, Lazarus, come out. 
And I love what it says here in verse 44. It says this, the dead man came out. (laughs) He wasn't dead. He was alive. But they considered him dead. So the dead man came out. His hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Now, I don't know how long he lived after this event. But I bet he had some stories to tell. About what had happened in the last four days. Could you imagine? If God can defeat death... My God can do anything. So fast forward to the upper room, the Garden of Gethsemane, the betrayal, the sham of a trial with a guilty verdict, the condemnation of an innocent man to the death on the cross, his suffering, his death, the despair that overwhelmed his followers, as they, can you imagine taking his lifeless body off the cross? Preparing his, his, his body for burial. Wrapping him up, placing him in the tomb, and rolling a stone over it. Death and doubt and discouragement and despair. Now, we know it only took three days. But for them, it seemed like the end of it all. So I don't know where you are in that story. But Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. And then he asks a very pointed question. Do you believe this? And that's the hope of the resurrection on this day. This same Jesus is alive and well. And he's working in the lives of people today. And he has the ability to have a personal relationship with every individual. The question is, do you believe that? And I don't know what your background is. I don't know how you feel about all of this. But make no mistake about it. I believe there's a reason why you're here this morning. And just as, just as I believe that God had the ability to raise Lazarus from the dead, I believe that whatever situation you are in is not terminal with God. And he has the ability to get glory out of whatever you're going through. And we may not be able to see what the end of your narrative is. We don't know what the conclusion of your story is. And we're right here in the middle of it. I'm just inviting you to invite Jesus in on all of this. Wherever you are in life, allow him in. Whether you consider yourself a follower of Jesus or not, today's the day. Even if you feel like you have been a follower of him for a while, maybe you have forgotten about the purpose that he has for your life and the purpose in your hardships and the purpose in in the trials that you go through and the glory he can receive from that. But if you're not sure what all this is about, you have come to the right place. And there is a Jesus who wants to know you and wants to get involved in your life and change the outcome. But the question is, do you believe that? Let's pray. 
Jesus, we love you and thank you for stories like this that are true, that really happened, that show us the power that you have in our lives over the death that we feel. Thank you for this beautiful day. Thank you for your goodness to us. And help us to live in the freedom that you give because of the victory you have over death. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.